Good evening and welcome to Direct Impact Broadcasting, the station of growth and transformation. Affiliate of Creative Broadcasting presents Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson with your host, Taiwana Wilson, as she welcomes her guest to the studio. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson. I am your host, Taiwana Wilson. A little bit about myself. I am your award-winning leadership maven, medical laboratory sciences by background, best-selling author, owner and chief leadership coach at Trendy Elite Coaching and Consulting Services, executive director with the John Maxwell team, Maxwell DIS certified consultant, Sundell Cars referral partner, and co-owner of Direct Impact Broadcasting Radio Station. Before we bring on my special guest, I want to share a few announcements. The authors of the Girlfriend Code Sorority Edition are now on tour. The first stop is in the DMV on July 27th at the Courtyard Marriott in Alexandria, Virginia. You do not have to be a member of a sorority to come out, bring your girlfriends. The event is free, and registration can be done on Eventbrite by searching the Girlfriend Code Sorority Edition official book signing. If you don't have the book, don't worry, you can purchase a signed copy at www.coachtwilson.com. And thank you to my media mentors, Ms. Ashley Little and Ms. Kimberly McLemore of Talk Radio TV Network, LLP. Today's special guest, Dr. Karen Townsend. Dr. Karen Townsend, whether delivering keynote presentations to corporate executives who lead Fortune 500 companies, conducting seminars for educators who are, who are impacting the lives of today's diverse students, or encouraging busy women to make themselves a priority, Dr. Karen Townsend is an inspiring speaker whose messages are timely and relevant. President and CEO of K. Townsend Consulting, Dr. Karen works with leaders to create inclusive environments and build strong teams so that they can effectively and efficiently meet the needs of their diverse clients and customers. Her goal is to make sure that all professionals have the tools required to live and lead confidently. Dr. Karen is also the founder of About My Sisters, an organization on a mission to empower one million women and girls. In 2018, her annual conference, Sister to Sister, celebrated its 25th anniversary and was recognized as one of the longest-running women's events in the United States. Dr. Karen holds degrees from Kentucky State University, The Ohio State University, and the University of Dayton. She also received specialized training in diversity education and inclusion from the International Multicultural Institute. Dr. Karen is a recognized subject matter expert whose articles on diversity have been featured in local, regional, and national publications and media outlets. As an author and advocate for women, Dr. Karen's first book was inspired by her own quest to find life balance. It all started when I stopped using lotion. One woman's journey from chaos to calm encourages women to take their time, time for me. Organizations throughout the country are currently using the lotion book to support the professional development and career advancement of high-potential women leaders. 
Dr. Karen is an active community volunteer and has served on numerous nonprofit boards, including the Dayton Urban League and YWCA Dayton. She is a proud member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, Tabernacle Baptist Church, and the Kentucky State University Alumni Association. Dr. Karen's honors and awards are numerous. They include being commissioned to the Honorable Order of the Kentucky Colonels in recognition of leadership and community service, being named Outstanding Alumnus by the National Association for Equal Opportunity in Higher Education, being featured in the Cincinnati-Dayton Success Guide in recognition of her professionalism, commitment to community service, and volunteerism, and being included in the Cincinnati-Dayton edition of Who's Who. Dr. Karen was named a Woman of Influence by YWCA Dayton, one of the 25 women to watch by Women in Business Networking, and she received the Heart of Gold Award from Eta Phi Beta Sorority. Most recently, she was selected as a 2019 Dayton Skyscraper. This award is given to Dayton residents in recognition of personal and professional achievements and their commitment to serve as role models for inner-city youth. Of all her honors, awards, and accomplishments, Dr. Karen says that she is most proud to hold the title of wife and mother, and she always insists that her husband, Sylvester, and their daughters, Saran and Kaylin, are listed among her greatest life achievements. Hello, hello, Dr. Karen Townsend. How are you doing this evening? I'm great, Coach T. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited that you are here and able to talk to the listening audience and share with them some leadership tips, some diversity information, and even taking time to ourselves. So ready to jump in and pick your brain and get all of that good stuff you have to offer. Well, I hope that I can provide some insight and information that will be valuable to the audience. I'm sure it will be amazing. So please tell the listeners about your path to leadership and how did you get to where you are today? Well, you know, I think that is a great question. And typically when we think about leadership, we frame it within the context of our organizations or our professional development training. But I thought about my very first leadership position, which was in the seventh grade when I successfully ran for a seat on the student council. And even though I was only 12 years old at the time, it really set the foundation for every other leadership position I've sought because I learned as a middle schooler that in order to get the support of your peers, you had to speak their language, you had to be interested in things that were important to them, and you had to communicate that you would be able to represent their interests and concerns to those around them. So I think whether you're 12 years old or 20 years old, that's an important leadership, leadership perspective. Um, today, I think some people aspire to be leaders for selfish reasons, but the best leaders, in my opinion, are those who are committed to serving others. So 
I started as a 12-year-old. I was also elected to vice president of the senior class in high school and ultimately rose to the ranks of president of student government at Kentucky State University, our alma mater. When I look back on my career, leadership has been a part of everything I've done. I worked in higher education for 13, for 13 years and was working on my Ph.D., interestingly enough, in the area of educational leadership. And one of the reasons that I made a switch from higher education to entrepreneurship was I reached a point within the organization where I didn't see my next move. And someone once told me in order to move up, sometimes you have to move out. And you could almost think about it as being the leader in your own life. So I stepped out on faith and decided to leave my real job and start my own business. Wow. I know that had to be a scary move. I know a lot of times people ask, you know, especially as, you know, people move into entrepreneurship full time, they're like, you know, was it hard to make that decision? You know, was it a tough choice? What made you feel comfortable in making that that decision at that point in your life? Well, in the spirit of truth and transparency, I don't know how courageous I was because I didn't have a plan and I didn't have a strategy. And just between me and you, I had no clients. But as they say, God protects children and fools. Clearly, (laughs) I was not a child, so you know what category that puts me in. But it's been almost 20 years since I left the safety and security of another organization. It has been hard. It has been scary. But I tell you, it has been worth it. And sometimes you have to be bold. You have to invest and believe in yourself and trust that if you take one step that there will be others around you, if asked, who can support you in making the next steps. That's awesome. Absolutely. Do you feel like those early childhood experiences of running for student government and then being in college, running for an office, help with your confidence to be able to believe in your dream, believe in your journey of this is what you were supposed to do? You know, that's a great question, and it took me back to when I ran for vice president of the senior class. I am a person who came from very humble beginnings. I mean, the Dr. Townsend today is very different from Karen Townsend, the little girl. I I grew up um, as a person who would be considered a statistic. I grew up being raised by a single mother, Uh, living in government, housing, receiving welfare. But thanks to my mother, who used to always say, you may live in the projects, but the projects don't have to live in you. Um, She also used to say, live your life not because of, but in spite of. And so I never let where I was in the moment prevent me from having a greater vision of what I could be. And I remember when I was running for office in high school, There were two other people running for vice president, and they were both very wealthy. And I remember they took out big ads in the school newspaper, and one guy, his dad was a business owner in my town, and he had some billboards made up. This was for a high school office. And 
I didn't have the financial means to do that. And so I went to my classmates and said, I'm running for office, and you all have known me since the seventh grade, and you know what I stand for, you know how I've represented you, so if you want to vote for me, I would appreciate your vote, but that's all I can offer you. I could not buy the votes. I couldn't do anything to influence the votes. All I could do was be authentically me. And what was interesting about it is at the end of the day of the election, the secretary of the school came over the intercom to announce the winners, and I won. And I was so excited, and we were told to report to the office to get instructions on what we need to do next. So I went to the office because I was told to since I had just been elected. But the other two people went to the office in protest because they couldn't understand how this person won the election, especially after the campaign that they had run and the money that they had spent, and both, not one of them, but both of them demanded a recount. And I can remember the secretary saying to them, a recount will not be necessary because it wasn't even close. (laughs) You, You talk about a confidence booster. I felt as though little old me was able to work towards a goal and achieve it against the people who were assumed to be the ones who were entitled to king, the keys to the kingdom. So that's something that I remember and reflect on often in my life, that it doesn't matter if you don't have all the tools that people think you should have, if you show up being who you are, being honest, walking in your integrity, that you can achieve your goals. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and very encouraging because you're right. It's not always about the money. You didn't have the money to, you know, feel like you could give the, the best. But at the end of the day, people buy you. Right. <laughs> and so that's a, a very great lesson uh, especially for some of our younger listeners, in that you may not think you have it or have everything that you need in comparison to some of your peers, but you are enough, and that's all you need. Right. So thank you for I that think, lesson. Yeah, I think you made the reference to how we measure ourselves. Too many people are measuring their lives using someone else's yardstick, and mm-hmm. it's it's very easy to be caught up into that because we can look at what someone else is doing and think, well, I should be doing that. Or we can look at someone else's products or services and think, well, I should offer that. And we get so lost in looking at someone else's path that we stray from our own. And so for me, personal authenticity is so important, being true to who you are, embracing your skills and your gifts and your talents. Yes, yes, that is. is listen, you got to focus on, on your lane. I know when I'm driving, I need to focus on what I'm doing. If I start trying to look around, things get crazy. So, yes, yes. Dr. Townsend, leaders come from all different backgrounds with different strengths, different qualities. What strengths do you possess that you feel have been very important on your leadership journey? Like, if you didn't have these you're not sure how you would have landed. 
Well, I mentioned one. I believe personal authenticity is very important. And I think that, and this is not based on my own um, promotion, but what people have said to me is I have an ability to put people at ease so that they can be their authentic selves. Um, I think that's important for any leader. I give people permission to be who they are. And all too often when we're at work or when we're living our lives, we feel like we have to present a persona that isn't who we truly are. And when we do that, not only do we miss out on walking in our truth, we deny other people the opportunity to to know who we are. So I believe that if we can, as leaders, create environments where people can be who they are, it benefits everyone. Uh, I believe one of my strengths is being a collaborator. I bring that to the work that I do. I don't simply want to tell a leader or a client what to do. I want to work in collaboration with that person to help them identify and create their vision, and that allows people to bring themselves fully to work and to to show up as who they are. Um, I also think I am a a master of mistakes, if that is a strength. So often when we look at leaders, we look at them at the top of the mountain when they have achieved success. But I'm a person who has made mistakes and who's learned from that journey. I think that we spend a lot of time talking to people about how to be successful, and we teach people how to succeed. I don't think we do as good of a job in teaching people how to bounce back from their mistakes. So that's something that I think is important and something I try to do. Um, So many organizational cultures penalize people from making mistakes, and as a result, people don't tell the truth or people hide their mistakes. I believe that's a mistake. Strong leaders have to help their people use mistakes as opportunities to learn and as opportunities to improve. So those are some of the skills that I think help me to be a strong leader. That's that's good. I'm happy you talked about uh, mistakes and, you know, not being afraid of mistakes because, like yourself, I work with a lot of young people and they are terrified. of making mistakes. They're terrified of failing. So sometimes they don't even try because they are afraid that that it may not work out. So it's important for our next generation of leaders to not only hear of our successes, as you mentioned, but also hear about some of our failures. Can you share with the listeners some of your failures and the learning lessons that you gained from them? Do I have to? Do I have to talk about <laughs> I know, I know. We heard all those amazing things in your bio. And, I mean, you're, like, doing it up. You're doing it all. I'm very proud of you, very proud to be associated with you. But you know, uh, where's where's those mistakes in between the largest conference that's been going on for 25 years and all these awards and distinguished alumni and all of this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I did say personal authenticity. So I guess um, I had a very high-profile position, um, and I was I was fired. And when I tell you I was hurt and ashamed and went into a little depression over it, and I didn't talk about it. I just did not Mm -hmm. talk about it. 
And then one day I was invited to give a talk on working towards your dreams and your journey to your dreams. And it was the first time that I ever talked about, that I ever said out loud that I had been fired. And when I tell you I felt free, and Mm -hmm. not only did it free me, but it freed someone in the room because, as you said, before I got up to speak, they went through that whole litany of who Dr. Karen is and all she had achieved. And when Dr. Karen stood in front of the room and said that she had been fired, a woman came up to me afterwards and she said, well, if you could get fired and survive, then I know I can bounce back because I was just fired. So Mm. I believe that when we have the courage to tell our truth, it gives other people permission to tell theirs, and it also lets them know that they're not alone. So from that failure, from that firing, I learned that it didn't define me. And actually, it freed me to get back to doing what God created me to do. That's awesome. You saved that lady's life because you don't know what she might have been thinking, you know, because of she experienced that one loss. So that's awesome. I like that, Coach T. Yeah. (laughs) You did. I mean, because, I mean, that's a hard pill to swallow for whatever reason, you know, whatever reason that you feel like a door is closed that you didn't close. And so it's like, am I good enough? Am I not good enough? You know, I've seen it, you know, especially sometimes in different cultures, you know, if somebody gets fired, they got the weight of the family on their shoulders, uh, you know, that could be a reason to, to not go on. So you never know. You probably say that lady's life. Saving life. See, I knew I knew all that good stuff was, <laughs> I knew it was all good. You were saving lives by telling your truth. And that's awesome. That's what we need to in all seriousness, that's what we we need to hear. That's what our young people need to hear because, you know, that was a job you had to love. Think about, you know, our young people, something happened at school, they fell a class, they hurt themselves. Same, same kind of of thing. Right. I think we, we do need to let people know that failure doesn't define you and failure is not fatal. Dr. Karen, good leaders ask great questions. As you're providing educational training to various for-profit and not-for-profit companies across the U.S. in the areas of diversity and personal excellence, what are some of the questions that you ask your audience to think about an action plan on? So as you do your sessions and do your training, you know, what are some things that you have the the audience to, to take back and really ponder on? Whenever I'm doing a class, I want it to be timely and relevant. And when we think about diversity in contemporary times, I want people to understand the complexity of it. I've been doing this work for 20-plus years, and when I first started, when people thought about diversity, they, they framed it within the context of race and gender. And while race and gender are still key aspects of diversity, there are so many other things that make us unique. Whether or not we have children, what our marital status is, our religious background, our political affiliation. And one of the biggest diversity issues that my clients are grappling with now are 
issues around generational diversity because you have people who've been in their positions for decades who are about to retire and leave the organization, and those positions are going to be filled with younger employees who, who think about work differently and who do work differently. So I want to challenge organizations to think about what do we need to do so that we can leverage the diversity that is a part of our organization and make it an inclusive environment where everyone can thrive? So, so often people are stuck in their own singular way of thinking, and we make judgments about people. And when we do that, we don't allow them to fully contribute or bring everything that they can to the table. So, so I want people, I want organizations, I want leaders to think about how can we create organizations where everyone can be successful. Um, I challenge people around diversity, and I ask the question, why diversity? Why now? Why is this something that, that you are considering offering as an initiative? Is it because you have experienced some uh, negative instance and we're being reactive, or do we understand that it's part of the world we live in and we want to be proactive? So those are some of the questions that are important to me. Yeah, it, it seems like I know in the, in the last, I would say, you know, five to seven years uh, or so, you know, since I've been in, in management, that, you know, diversity has been huge, but it it's almost like companies that, at least I'm in the healthcare sector, and it's almost like it's done as a, as a more of a reactive, you know, something has happened, you know, right. versus being proactive and, and really trying to understand. I mean, you got four generations of people that are working side by side, <laughs> mm-hmm. and how we look at things are very different, and, and that doesn't necessarily have to do anything with our skin color. <laughs> right. Well, and I think people need to understand that that diversity and difference shouldn't be an either-or proposition. And mm-hmm. that's why I think this work can be a challenge because people think, well, if we start talking about diversity, that means we've got to do some special things for this group and my group is going to lose. And I'm going to be held responsible for something that happened a long time ago, or people are going to think they need to do special things for me because of the package I'm in. And I take great pride in being able to facilitate conversations and dialogue around these issues because based on my experience, I don't care what your racial, ethnic, religious, political background is, if you ask people some basic questions, there is so much connection. Most people want to be able to work in a job in a safe and comfortable environment. They want to make a wage so they can take care of their children. They want to live in a neighborhood that's safe. They want their children to be educated so they can have it better than they are. And when I can help people understand that we have those connections, then it's easier to talk about the things that cause the disconnections. But my approach to diversity education is not pointing the finger of blame at anyone. It's not putting the spotlight on any group that's underrepresented, but it's helping people have conversations that they've either been afraid to have 
or feel ill-equipped to have. That's good. I've been in several of your trainings, and you are doing an awesome job of of challenging your participants to think to really think outside the box. As you go and do the training for different organizations that implement these strategies, what do you find has made them be more successful with implementing some of these uh, diversity initiatives? There has to be a commitment to diversity that goes beyond a day or two of training. My most successful clients are those who have a diversity strategic plan. And that's Mm -hmm. important because sometimes if Coach T is the advocate for diversity and she's the champion for diversity, but then she gets an opportunity and moves to a different organization, if the champion is gone, the enthusiasm is gone. But if there's a diversity strategic plan, that is woven into the fabric of the organization. So if it's going to be sustainable, if it's going to be long-term, and if it's going to be successful, it has to be more than a check-the-box type of initiative. It has to be something that is truly a part of what the organization embraces and lives every day. And that makes great sense. That that makes perfect sense, as, actually, because you're right. seems like sometimes there's a champion for it, and, and when they depart, uh, so there's some of that energy. I like to have a diversity strategic plan. Dr. Townsend, I'm sure it does. I think that's an awesome idea. Uh, it makes sense for whoever is, is there championing the cause, you know, whatever happens. This is, you know, woven into our, our culture. So that makes tons of sense. Dr. Townsend, I often get asked the question, where do I find leadership experience or how do I build my leadership toolbox? What advice would you give to an emerging leader or even somebody that's looking to reinvent themselves for finding leadership opportunities? Because there's a myth that you can only get leadership opportunities if you have a position with a title. Right. And, and, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I I firmly believe that you don't have to have a title to be a leader, uh, and I also believe the the converse. All of us can probably think of a person who is in a leadership position, but they're not functioning as a leader, or maybe mm-hmm. that's just been my experience. Um, if there is not an opportunity for you to lead where you work, then I would encourage emerging leaders to find an organization whose mission that you're passionate about and volunteer. There are mm-hmm. numerous nonprofit organizations and social service organizations that are always looking for individuals to assist them in the work that they do. So use your expertise for the benefit of others. Use your passion and enthusiasm, and it will shine, and you will probably find that you will be given other opportunities to do the same thing. The leadership experience that you gain and the lessons that you'll learn will be transferable back in your place of work. And the more you serve externally, I think people will will see it, people will notice it, people will talk about it, and it can potentially give you opportunities within your organization. 
seek out opportunities to serve on nonprofit boards. It will put you in the presence of key people in your community, again, giving you an opportunity to shine. And the other thing I would say is invest in yourself. Take classes, go to conferences, go to workshops. Um, and a lot of times people say, well, my organization won't pay for me to go to this conference or go to this workshop. Sometimes you have to invest in yourself. And we spend money on so many other things that don't necessarily build us professionally or even personally. So I'm an advocate for investing in yourself. As I said, take classes, go to workshops, go to conferences, hire a coach. I believe that personal development always precedes professional growth. So if you want to grow, if you want to lead, make sure you are doing those selves to doing those things to prepare you for leadership. Yes, absolutely. I totally, totally agree with that. Sometimes people don't think about the volunteerism in the community and serving on boards and all of that is transferable inside of the workplace as well. I'll, I'll tell you that you know, being involved, and I'll just use my sorority as an example, because I've served on committees uh, within the organization and we do work out in the community, you know, every month we have an opportunity to present. So I have gotten pretty good at presenting because I do it every month in front of the Mm -hmm. chapter. And sometimes they're a little bit more critical. Some of our more senior members are a little bit more critical uh, than if I was in a boardroom. So by the time mm-hmm. I got to the boardroom, it was like, I'm used to this. You know, right. you know, I've I've been around people that have been a little bit more tougher with love, but tougher. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it was a good opportunity to get comfortable presenting a report, you know, leading a, a committee, having a budget, those kind of things. I think that's a perfect example. If you are in a a sorority or a fraternity, if you uh, are active in your church or in your neighborhood association, those are all opportunities to lead. And regardless of where you get the experience, you're getting the experience. Absolutely. And investing in yourself, that is a a good one. I I think I learned that the hard way because, you know, you're right, you were – used to your organization paying and sometimes they they don't pay and so you have to make that decision and you know I had that happen I wanted to participate in a program and the organization wouldn't pay and I'm like they got their nerve like this is for (laughs) them (laughs) this is gonna benefit the organization and they're like no Miss Wilson you know that's not in the budget if you want to go we'll support you but we can't pay for the tuition Mm -hmm. And I mm-hmm. had to have a mindset shift because, you know, instead of me getting all upset and, like, and not wanting to do the program, I'm like, now how are you going to expect somebody to invest in you and you're not willing right. to invest in yourself? I so that completely was critical. Mm-hmm. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, so sometimes we have to have a mind shift. So I'm very happy that you said that investing in yourself, taking workshops, you know, going to conferences, getting a coach, you know, whatever the case may be, but but really being a lifelong learner. Well, and I think it's important because when you make a decision to invest in yourself, 
you find that you're around other people who understand the importance of investing in themselves. And when you look at where you are and what you want to be, where you want to be, so often it is contingent upon the people that you're surrounding yourself with. You got to be in the room with the people that's doing the same thing or have the same goals that you do. So absolutely. Dr. Karen, I love your commitment to serving in the community and your church and not-for-profit boards and giving back to others through your own not-for-profit, you know, giving back, you know, this with everything that you do. So what motivates you to give back and why is that important to your leadership journey? I believe to whom much is given, much is required. And, And we hear people say that a lot. For me, it's not just a mantra. It's what I believe. You mentioned in the intro that I was selected as a woman of influence by the YWCA in Dayton, and I was honored beyond words to be received, to be recognized in my community. Uh, and for me, it was more than just having the spotlight shine on me on that day or, or have uh, that level of rec- recognition. To me, it meant that I now needed to use my influence to impact my community. So I volunteer and I support organizations that are in line with two of my passions. Number one, at-risk children because I was one, and number two, women and girls because I am a woman and I'm a mom of two girls. So when I think of how I can make an impact those are two areas that I know I can, and so I try to focus my efforts in those areas. And not to take anything away from any other organization, but sometimes I think we can be overwhelmed with all the needs in our communities and, and everything that we can do to serve. And if you do that, you can spread yourself too thin. But if each of us would pick one or two causes one or two organizations to support, then we could have a great impact. So, so I'm passionate about supporting programs to benefit at-risk children because I know that if we can make sure our young children get the foundation they need early, it will greatly impact the rest of their lives. And as it relates to women and girls, so often the messages that we get as young girls and and grown women are objectifying us and not holding up our ability to to think and plan and serve. So I want to be a part of creating messages and, and environments where women and girls will be empowered and equipped to live and lead confidently. So those are things that are important to me. Those are the reasons they are important. And I want to use my life as a testament to the fact that it doesn't matter where you start off. What matters most is that you have a vision of where you want to end up and you work hard every day to get there. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. So just choose one or two. So listen to our audience. You know, choose one or, or two organizations. There are a lot of awesome causes out there, so many causes that we all could be serving on a ton of them. But just pick one or two that you're really, really passionate about and get started with that, as Dr. Karen uh, mentioned to us. So that is awesome. I absolutely agree and absolutely love that. Besides being an amazing leader, you're also a published author, 
Can you Yay. tell us? I know that's exciting <laughs> stuff. And you got to, I'm interested in hearing more about this book. You've got a catchy title. It all started when I stopped using lotion. One woman's journey from chaos to calm. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> well, first I'll tell you, lotion is a metaphor for the little things that we do for ourselves. And what I have learned in traveling this country, speaking to women at every level professionally, is that when you stop doing one little thing, it becomes easier to stop doing another and another and another. My little mm-hmm. thing was lotion. And I'm a person who loves to pamper herself, loves to take long bubble baths. And I remember one day I took a bath, got out of the bathtub, and I didn't put on any lotion because I convinced myself that I didn't have enough time. The next day, not only did I skip the lotion, but I opted for a shower instead of a bath because I said it'll be quicker, it'll take less time. And over the course of a series of weeks, I started doing less and less of those things to care for myself, and I found that I was, I was stressed out and I was angry and snapping at people. And when I reflected back over the past several weeks, I realized that it all started when I stopped using lotion. So I mm-hmm. want women, men too, but women most especially, to think about <laughs> What are those things that bring you joy? When was the last time you did those things? Because when we stop doing the things that that nurture our souls and bring us joy, we will live a life of chaos instead of calm. So I just want to encourage women to make themselves a priority. If you don't take care of you, no one else will. If you don't take care of you, you can't take care of anyone else. So it's not just important, but it's necessary. And I will just say that over and over and over again. Make yourself a priority. Yes, yes. And that's one of the questions that, or one of the things that it seems like uh, busy women professionals, that's one of the first things to go is, you know, that using their lotion. They they Mm -hmm. stop because they're trying to care for everybody else. I, I love that. I love that metaphor. Uh, so, listeners, you know, did you skip your lotion today? Because if you did, <laughs> this could be a, a sign of what you're going to skip tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So we have to do better if we want to be around here for for our loved ones and for our communities. Where can people find find that publication? If they go to our conference website, which is sister to sisterconference.com, and it's sister T-O, not the number, sister mm-hmm. to sisterconference.com. If they click on the contact icon and complete the form, they will receive a special link to order the book. And because I just love you so much, they will also get a promo code for our conference that's coming up in September. So all your listeners will get special pricing. Woo! I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. So, listening audience, make sure you hop on over and we're going to get that information for you a couple of more times before we get off tonight. But hop on over to sister to sister. Uh, you said sister to sister.com. 
sistertosisterconference.com to get that book and to make sure you hop over there because you're going to get a special discount to the conference that will be happening soon, and you want to be a part of that conference because, like I said, it's one of the longest-running women's conferences in the U.S. with over 25 years of being in operation. So you definitely want to hop over there and get that. So speaking of about my sisters, your organization, and your conference, can you tell us a little bit more about your organization, about my sisters, and then tell us a little bit more about the conference. What should we expect? Well, Sister to Sister started in 1993 because I thought I was having a midlife crisis, but I was 29 at the time, and now that I'm 56, I know that was my practice midlife crisis because I've had the real one since. But it came about because I was I was about to have a, a milestone birthday, and a lot of times when you're about to hit one of those milestone ages, you start questioning yourself, am I doing what I thought I would be doing? Am I at the place in my career that I thought I'd be? Does my life look like what I thought it would look like? And I was having all those questions, and I went to one of my colleagues, Lillian Johnson, and I said, wouldn't it be great if we could have a day just for us? And so she and I and our graduate student, Charlotta Taylor, worked together to host what we thought would be a one-time, one-day conference. Halfway through the day, there was a lady who said, this has been so wonderful. Can you do it again next week? And we looked at each other and laughed, and we said, well, maybe not next week, but maybe next year. That was what will be 26 years ago come September. And the whole purpose of the conference is to empower and equip women. We want women to walk fully into who God created them to be. We want them to live and lead confidently. Over the past two and a half decades, we've been able to share this message in Dayton, across the United States. We hosted an event in the Bahamas, the Dominican Republic, and in March, we'll be going to Dubai. But again, the whole purpose is to give women a safe place and a platform to be authentically themselves. Our theme this year is Choose You. And I want to invite all your listeners to put September 21st on their calendars and plan to join us because it will be an amazing day. It will be a life-changing day. And it's an opportunity to be in a room with other life-minded women, and I did say life, L-I-F-E. We always talk about being with like-minded people. Sister to Mm -hmm. sister is about being with life-minded women, women who are on a path to live their best lives. That's awesome. I love it. I love it, Dr. Karen. You're just doing it up. (laughs) So save the date. You are. You are. You know, with you know, having that courage and, and faith to jump out there and do something that was supposed to be one time, and here we are, and you are inspiring and empowering women all over the world. That's that's awesome. That is very awesome. So save the date, September twenty first, sister to sister conference in Dayton, Ohio. Make sure you go to the website sister to sister conference dot com. There's tons of pretty pictures on here. These women are being inspired and empowered, and you too can be there with them, with life-minded women. Awesome. We would love for them to be there. Awesome. So before we wrap up, 
of course, I could go on and on and talk with you a lot longer, but unfortunately, our time is coming to a close. Time goes by fast when you're getting a lot of wisdom. So what tidbits of wisdom can you leave our listener audience with that they can use in their personal and professional life? First of all, I would say um, take time for you. We hear all the time, put your mask on first. That's important. And we've got to get beyond just saying it and doing it. One of the things I write about in my book is encouraging women to take a PMS weekend. And for me, PMS stands for Pamper Myself. I think it's important as women are working hard to build their careers and manage the responsibilities of family, they have to be intentional about self-care. Self-care is not selfish. And any opportunity you can take to pamper yourself is important. Surround yourself with, again, life-minded people, people who support you in your dreams and your goals and your visions. Invest in yourself. If your organization, if your company will invest in you, that's wonderful. But whether they do or not, invest in yourself. We spend money on so many things that don't necessarily build us up or put us on the path to reaching our goals, you have the opportunity to do that for yourself, and you yourself will reap the benefits. So those are just a few things that I would say to encourage your listeners. That's great. Those are great nuggets. I have wrote them down so that I make sure that I keep those front and center myself. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Dr. Taylor, how can our listeners stay connected with you and support you in your efforts? Well, I would, again, encourage them to go to sistertosisterconference.com, click on the contact icon, and that will add you to our mailing list. It will get you a special link so you can purchase the book, and it will also get you the special Coach T promo code for the conference. I am on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter. I love having new friends and new connections. And if you reach out to me, I will reach out to you. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Karen Townsend, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to give me the opportunity to interview you this evening. It was definitely an honor. Yeah, I'm happy we could get together and chat. Uh, and and touch base and and so that the listeners can hear all of the awesome things you're doing and, you know, be able to be empowered and and inspired and look at things, especially from a diversity and personal excellence standpoint and a different viewpoint. So I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you for what you're doing to provide this forum for us to share and for your listeners to reap the benefits of your network. I always say together we are better. And like every guest that come on, I pick up so many nuggets, you know, and I think it's important for our listeners to hear from other leaders. Having worked with young people and talk about leadership, they kind of think it's like, ah, leadership. You know, it's not fun and, you know, 
glamorous topic. And so I want them to be exposed to different leaders in different industries. It's really knocking it out the park, doing a lot of different things. Leadership looks different. We're all leaders if we believe that we are. So it's an honor and a pleasure to have you as a guest. So many blessings and much uh, continued success to you on your journey. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, listener audience, for tuning in to tonight's show with my very special guest and fellow Kentucky State University alum, Dr. Karen Townsend, where she shared with us, to whom much is given, much is required. Make sure you take time for yourself. Take a PMS weekend, meaning, you know, take time to pamper myself. Invest in yourself. Go to workshops. Go to classes. Hire a coach if need be. Having that personal authenticity, have the ability to put people at ease is very important as you go throughout your leadership journey. Allow people to be themselves. Being a great collaborator. Gain leadership through your volunteerism. What you do externally will transfer internally in the workplace. And diversity goes way beyond just one group. So those are just a few of the tidbits that she shared with us. Make sure on 921 you go to the Sister to Sister Conference. More information can be found at sistertosisterconference.com. And if you are interested in being a guest on this show, starting your own radio show or low-cost advertising, please send me an email at dibroadcasting at trendyelitellc.com. And please tune in next week to hear from another amazing leader. Until then, have a good evening. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, where Taiwana speaks with leaders who share nuggets of wisdom that you can use in your personal and professional life. Follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Coach T. Wilson. Connect on LinkedIn or visit www.coachtwilson.com. And remember, in life, learn as much as you can, appreciate often, and lead fearlessly. 